Saturday Night Live with Larry David. Hosting is over, but we are just getting started here on Saturday Night Live. Live here on Post Show Recaps. And now here are the two guys who will always shake your hand, whether you've coughed or have a dookie. I am Rob Sister, here's Rich Tackenberg. Hello. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing very good. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, Rich. Thank you. Thank you. I, I have a bourbon. I wanted to make a vodka and cheddar, but I didn't have the best cheese for it. So going with straight bourbon tonight. <laughs> good callback. So uh, very excited to talk about this. Uh, Rich, I thought this was a very, very fun episode of Senate Live, and this was my favorite of the season so far. Yeah, this was very strong. I I will give you a little preview. I even though uh, some things worked less well than others, I don't know that there was an uh boy in the evening. I think that maybe one moment is on the border of the uh of a boy, but yeah. overall I'd say this was all really solid. I mean, in the perspective of talking about Saturday Night Live, I mean, we are truly like the two old guys on the Muppets where even the greatest Saturday Night Live episode of all time if we had to, we'd probably be able to come up with one or two things that didn't work, didn't land, could have been shorter. So there is no perfect score in Saturday Night Live. No, exactly. And and again, we're here not to not to knock it. We're here to talk about what we love about it. And as is, you know, it's our job to talk about things that could have been better, things that maybe didn't work as well. But overall, we're loving the show. And right. this is a really great example for a number of reasons. I think this show really worked well and for me stood out uh, as not only one of the funniest, not only an episode that had the least kind of misses, but also kind of the freshest. Like this was not like some of the se- some of the episodes we've seen in the season were just repeated sketch after repeated sketch after repeated sketch. This, for the most part, was all very sort of fresh pieces that I, I really enjoyed. All right. Well, let's talk about this. I know you have some thoughts on Larry David hosting, which we'll talk about when we get to the monologue. Uh, But let's jump right in. Of course, we're live here on Blab at an earlier time today to accommodate. We don't want to go up against the Super Bowl. Uh, We feel like that uh, might not be the best programming move. So here we are today, starting off around uh, 3 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. We'll be back to our regular time slot next week. Rich, let's talk about the cold open. And boy, I've really been uh, throwing myself into all of the political stuff going on really these last couple of weeks. Whereas like a month ago, I didn't know anything about politics, maybe because there's no baseball, no football. I've really been uh, very much throwing myself into all the presidential politics. Well, and this was an interesting one for me because at my office, we keep CNN on in our sort of main, you know, common area. So it's on 24 seven. But I did not see any of the Republican debates uh, prior to the show. So a lot of the stuff that they were commenting on, especially the entrances that come later on in in SNL, I didn't have a reference to. But uh, but it was interesting to see uh, a very odd choice, but an interesting one to just do Ted Cruz in a monologue to straight to camera, one person cold. Um, and I thought at the beginning of this, this was my beginning of the like, oh boy, this could go badly. And I just thought it was crisp. It was fresh. It was short. And Taryn's energy is Perfect for cold opens. He is such a good cold open player. If I was doing a roster, a lineup, a sports lineup, 
you put him in the cold. Him and Keenan are cold open players. So there's a, a lot to like about this. Yeah, and of course, Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucus this week. So they decided to go with him. And he gets the spotlight all to himself, doesn't have to share a monologue with Trump at all or any of the other Republican candidates. And this was really, I feel like SNL told you exactly what the take is going to be on Ted Cruz from here on out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like the idea that when he's talking about all the things that are, you know, about him and almost a little bit like the old Chris Farley on weekend update when, you know, I don't bathe kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I really like when he said, you know, I'm not even this and that or I'm not even fine. I'm not doing well at all. Um, You know, he had to overcome the adversity of being Ted Cruz. I thought all this worked and I did. And so we sort of get what, you know, that's that, you know, he's a far side cartoon from the profile. All that stuff was really fun. And I would say what I really like about where they will probably take this character was they sorry they have a little bit of a twist at the end when they sort of then move into that he's also a sneaky little stinker and I thought the way that they played that sort of coy precious he's the greased pig of politics kind of thing was like oh yeah there could be a lot of fun with this also something Taryn does very well so I, I thought there was a lot of fun that we could be seeing over the course of the next few months with this character yeah might have been fun to maybe have Ben Carson in there after the controversy with that Ted Cruz uh, reportedly had told people or his uh, people told people in Iowa that Ben Carson had dropped out of the race. And that was, you know, part of the controversy this week that, you know, Trump was talking all about. Might have been fun because Jay Farrow does such a funny Ben Carson. But uh, no, that's it. Yeah. Just you know, short, sweet, and we get into the monologue and we get to see Larry David, which everybody is very excited about. Very excited to see Larry David. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, not expected that he would just do basically a stand up piece. Most people, I think, forget that he was a uh, stand up comedian back when he met Jerry Seinfeld back in the day before SNL and before Fridays and obviously before Seinfeld. I thought it was very interesting that he. Uh, mentions the fact that he auditioned for the show, but he did not make mention of the fact that he was a writer of for the show for an entire season and famously only got one sketch on uh, a 12.55 a.m. sketch over the course of the entire uh, 18 episodes. It was a short season because of a writer's strike, but clearly he did not do well there. So I thought that was an odd thing, especially since that is so rare. In 40 years of SNL, uh, Larry David is only the second non-performing writer to ever come back and host the show. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, it's been him and Conan O'Brien. Uh, you could maybe say Don Novella, although he did Father Guido Sarducci uh, during weekend updates a number of times. So I thought they would make more of that i thought it was odd choice that they didn't i don't know if that was larry david not wanting to call that out or the fact that larry david was a writer on one of the non-lorne michael years uh and that is something that generally doesn't exactly they sort of in the in the scheme of things they tend to get uh they tend to get lost So, Rich, now Larry David comes back here and I felt like that maybe one of the reasons why this show was worked so well. It's almost that as opposed to a lot of these other actors that we see in a lot of movies, but we don't know them at all. It's really you're writing for the Larry David character. Do you think that that made things easier on the writers? 
Yes, I definitely think so. And I think that he probably wrote a lot of this himself, which I think is great. I think that uh, and I also liked that they use that in sort of the meta. He's not just coming out and talking about going from a poor schmuck to a rich prick. All that stuff was very funny and the eating disorder stuff was very funny. But the fact that they're sort of he's sort of commenting on, you know, I'm not a host, I'm a guest. And, you know, and the whole idea of I'm supposed to say we we should have a great show for you tonight. Like, I'm not going to say that. Like, why, why raise that? Like I thought the bring the Larry David sensibility to the machinations of being the host of SNL made for some very funny meta meta comedy. Rich, I was a little confused with the Larry David monologue story. Did Larry David have an eating disorder? Why was he making himself throw up? No, I thought he was saying that the joke was that he's thin and he was using the fact that at least he's thin to go to a piece that probably, if I had to guess, is a previous. Yeah. Either Larry David did this as a stand-up comedian 20 years ago okay. or this was a bit for Seinfeld or Curb that didn't make it onto the show that was like, oh, let's do the how Jewish people feel about eating disorders chunk. And his dad like, you threw up that brisket. I'm going to make you pay for that brisket and the applesauce and everything in that toilet bowl. Okay. If we find out you're throwing up. Yeah, it, it was so random <laughs> to his conversation that I had a hunch it was a piece that he said, oh, let me do the Jewish eating disorder chunk as part of my monologue. Got it. Got it. Uh, anything else on Larry David and his monologue? I thought it was fun to see him do stand up because I can't really remember maybe outside of the Curb Your Enthusiasm premiere at a time that I ever watched Larry David do stand-up comedy. No, I mean, he was a stand-up comedian. I mean, he was known back in the day, very famously, for bombing terribly and for just clearing out rooms and not being a super successful stand-up comedian, but other comedians like Seinfeld liked him. So this was fun. I also liked, uh, I don't know if it was because he was rusty or conversely because he was very self-assured, the pacing was very slow. He took it really easily. Usually when stand-ups come on, whether it's Kevin Hart for the first time or even Zach Galifianakis for the first time or Louis for the first time, they're usually going very quickly. And uh, and I thought Larry was very self-assured, very deliberate, took his time, uh, and, I, and I liked the pacing. All right, so let's talk about the first live sketch after the monologue. And we are at sort of the FBI shooting range and we are introduced to Kevin Roberts, the creator of the FBI training exercise. Yeah, this was such an odd one. I definitely liked it. There's no question that I liked it. I really wondered. This is my weird rich theory for the day. I wonder if Larry David wrote this sketch back in the 90s when he was a writer and couldn't get it on the air and including the big cell phone and and the look. And then ultimately they rewrote it for this episode. I, I have no idea, but it almost felt like that because it was so anachronistic to sort of SNL. It wasn't topical. It wasn't it, it was just this weird sort of sort of character piece um but i thought he was very funny i thought keenan did a very good job anchoring the sketch um the silliness of it was fun and i the drop in from bobby just killed me i i thought bobby was very very funny yeah i thought that this was fun and you know i did like the kevin roberts character once he showed up it took a little while to get to what the joke of the scene was ultimately going to be but then every time they went back to him it was definitely a, a sure laugh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought this was very, very, so very solid. I thought if you noticed a couple of times when uh, Keenan was sort of being the uber straight man, Pete Davidson kept having to turn away because he was he was clearly laughing on camera and turning away from it, which was I felt it was really fun. I did like how in the end they wrapped up the logic of it where it's like, well, you know, you don't have to apologize to me. You need to apologize to the man who created this exercise, Kevin Roberts, who then, you know, it sort of makes sense that where he created this back in the 90s. And that's why he has the big cell phone and he, why he put himself into the exercise. Yeah, I, I liked it as a button. I'd say I don't know comedically that I, I, you know, for me, again, this is beyond nitpicky. I almost would have liked it to have been Kevin Roberts, Larry David as a very schleppy loser wearing very drab clothing or something just to sort of have some play on. This is how he put himself in the video game. But still, I mean, it was nice that it was, uh, you know, a good piece. And again, similar to the monologue and similar to the cold open, it did not go on endlessly. Once we get the joke of Kevin Roberts. We then how he comes back. We then have Bobby Moynihan as his friend. He's got one more bit, uh, you know, about dancing, you know, we've got kind of bitch, get a donut, uh, you know, and stuff. And then we're basically out. Then we have, uh, you know, uh, John Ranitsky, uh, you know, shoot him and the, the whole thing's over. So timing wise, I thought this was really good. Okay. Let's talk about what probably is going to be the sketch of the night, the burn your enthusiasm. And from the moment <laughs> the title card comes up, you just know that it's going to be probably perfect. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm going to comment on this and talk about how much I loved it. But then I do have a big asterisk about the programming note of where this was in the episode, which I think really hurt it uh, for anyone who watched it live. But certainly watching it again, uh, everything about this was really funny. Uh, it, it, I think we even joked about Bobby Moynihan playing Jeff Garland. It was really fun to see. Um, so all this stuff was very funny and, and an even a believable uh, uh, sort of curb premise taken to the primary about not wanting to shake a hand after someone coughed into it. So, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff here and a lot of great performances uh, and as much as, you know, uh, you know, I think Cecily Strong really stole the show as Susie Essman and Jay Farrow as J.B. Smoob's character. Leon was very, very funny. Yeah, I even thought that uh, Taron Killam coming in as Super Dave Osborne was really great, too. Yes, absolutely. Did a very good job. I didn't know because I kind of gave up on Kerbin later episodes. Who was, uh, do you know who was um, Vanessa Bayer trying to play? He kept calling her Jane. So it was obviously not his, uh, you know, it was not. Um, yeah, I think that know, that was wife, just a Cheryl. campaign uh, worker. I don't think that that was actually a, unless it's like his, his secretary, which is might be like a, a minor part, but I don't think that that was somebody who was part of the Kerbin Enthusiasm canon. Correct me if I'm wrong, chat room. Yeah, it's a good question. It was odd that they they made every character on the piece a, a curb character except for her. And I don't know if why they didn't feel like they had someone who physically could pull off uh, a Cheryl Hines character or something. But again, nitpicky. It wasn't even it wasn't even necessarily a bad thing, uh, but very funny. Ah, here we go. They're saying in the chat room, Bernie Sanders wife is Jane. Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. Okay. Didn't, didn't think of that. That really makes sense. Yeah. I would have to be political to have known that. <laughs> so, Rich, did you like that they did it basically not even as Bernie Sanders? It was almost just like Larry David is playing Bernie Sanders and not being the Bernie Sanders character at all. 
Yeah, it was interesting that he wasn't it, – it, it wasn't – we are so used to seeing Larry David come on SNL and do Larry – and do Bernie Sanders. Um, I actually liked this because it sort of – it broke our expectations. I was expecting to see him do it, and, and we sort of got a flip on it. Um, so I really liked it. But this is what I would say. I do feel like they missed – for me – it was very big news, maybe because we have CNN all day at work, that Bernie Sanders was going to be on SNL. So it was they. I think they even tweeted uh, that Bernie Sanders was going to do the cameo. So so most people knew Bernie Sanders was going to show up on the episode. So to do a burn your enthusiasm, I'm now watching it, waiting for. Okay, he wasn't in the cold open. He wasn't in the monologue. Clearly, here is where the real Bernie Sanders is going to show up, which he doesn't. And I felt like that was a miss on the programming note i really feel like they should have done the uh you know the 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 ship sketch first let that play out with the real bernie sanders and then follow it up with burn your enthusiasm i think it would have had at least for the live audience it would have had a much bigger punch well now then are you expecting bernie sanders to show up in the burn your enthusiasm once you know that he has shown up for the boat sketch I think not, because I think then I know that, OK, that was the that was the cameo. We've seen the cameo and now we're just going to do a pre-tape piece that will be very fun and funny about it. And it would I to me, it would have been a nicer one two punch. It didn't hurt me at all. I knew that he was coming, but then I was saying coming out of it, boy, what are they going to do with him now? Because I would be surprised if we do Larry David being Bernie Sanders again, I feel like that he won't play Bernie Sanders twice. So are we going to get Bernie Sanders during update? And so I, I was at least still on the edge of my seat wondering how they were going to use Bernie Sanders, knowing that he was going to show up. I definitely agree. Definitely agree. Yes. Well, it was a uh, very funny sketch. And uh, again, the button is great. I mean, this could have been just like, you know, a curb you know, uh, web webisode yeah. episode, like just like a five minute curb episode. Yeah. Even the tying it up with the drinking, the coffee with the 2%. It just, it mean it just, and it was directed by Reese Thomas. It was not directed by Robert White. One of the, you know, David Steinberg or one of the classic curb directors, but it really did feel like this was a mini curb episode. It was really fun. Really enjoyed that. Great. Do you think it speaks more or less to us getting more curb enthusiasm episodes? Uh, I'm going to say less. less. I, I hear he's I hear he's very torn, but I don't I don't see him uh, killing himself to get back to it. All right. So then coming out of the uh, burn your enthusiasm, we end up getting this boat sketch, which we are going to eventually have Bernie Sanders show up the Titanic sketch. And, you know, it's kind of a premise that I feel like we've seen a lot of, you know, uh, why do the women and children get to go into the lifeboats? But uh, Larry David is the guy who is talking about, like, why can't he get in the boat? And uh, he is becoming, you know, increasingly offensive as to... why the people who are getting on the boat shouldn't be getting on the boat. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's calling out kids and saying that uh, we need to check, uh, you know, how much hair they have. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Did he ask, did he ask for a pube check yeah. at one point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he's talking about um, <laughs> that. Oh, the, the, that, that's clearly a midget. And then I, I did like he broke the fourth wall, which I can say because it's olden times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was great. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I like about this, you're right, is this is not a fresh sketch. But what I liked about it was it was a great inserting the Larry David character into another situation for which Larry David could be Larry David, which did two things. One, it gave him as a host more to do without having to play a weird character. And two, completely threw me off the scent that the real Bernie Sanders was going to enter into this. Very unheard of for us to have a political candidate cameo come so late in it and not be it about a sketch where the political uh, the politician is the cameo and that's the that is the game of the scene this was very much obviously built for this and then here comes bernie sanders into you know or bernie sanderwitzki to uh, make fun of the one percent who want to get on the lifeboat so uh for that reason i'd say the first half was not hilarious but it wasn't right. bad it was just like Oh, this is cute. And this is Larry doing what Larry does with maybe a little too much production value around him. And then Bernie coming in was very funny. All right. So then Larry David starts talking about how, well, I have so much money. And uh, I believe, does he say 1% uh, that he's uh, that he's so wealthy? That's why he should buy a spot on there. And then I think Ber- so, yeah. And then Bernie Sanders comes out. And, uh, you know, big, big uh, applause uh, for Bernie Sanders, who comes out and then him and Larry David bicker back and forth. And I feel like that this uh, starts off really, really strong. And I feel like they sort of lose the thread for uh, more towards the end. I agree. Again, you know, we we have to remember Bernie Sanders is not an actor. Mm -hmm. He's not a comedian. I'm sure very uncomfortable reading off cue cards, Um, you know, so I felt like. What was the fun of this was not necessarily the dialogue or the lines, but but to see how game he was to really throw himself into a sketch more than Hillary. I mean, you know, as much as Trump, but that's sort of a whole nother beast, given that Trump has hosted before. Um, so, yeah, I'd say more fun than funny, but still fun and didn't go on way too long, even when. Bernie asks if he wants to share a cab and Larry's like, nah, I think we've talked enough. It was like a nice, like, okay, we're good. Yeah. The part that I felt like they lost it a bit was where we talked about like Larry David says, sounds like socialism. And then Bernie Sanders says, no democratic socialism. And Larry David says, well, what's the difference? And we got into this bit about the difference is huge, huge, huge. And I felt like, okay, well, that's sort of like a Trump thing that he always says huge and everything is going to be huge. I didn't really understand how it related to Bernie Sanders and why we were going there with Bernie Sanders and Larry David. It's funny you say that because I had a similar thought, which was I, I to me when they were doing the huge, I was like, wait, I'm not super political. Is that a is that a Bernie thing or is that a Larry David curb thing? Is Larry going? It's huge. It's huge. I, I actually couldn't remember. Uh, so I wasn't sure. OK, Antonio is in the chat room. He's saying that the joke is that Bernie pronounces it in the classic Brooklyn huge. So I don't know. I think that uh, maybe that might might be a little bit of a uh, of a stretch. And then uh, I did think that they got it back on the uh, joke about Bernie Sanders changing his name uh, and. <laughs> that Larry David's follow up of like, Oh yeah, that'll throw him off the scent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was very funny. Yeah. Which is very good. So, but you yeah. know, good for Bernie Sanders coming in and being game for doing a scene in which, you know, not, but two minutes before he walked out on the, on the stage, Larry David was calling for a pube check. So uh, good yeah, for Bernie exactly. Sanders. Exactly. And, and, and interesting, just from the sort of, uh, I, I don't know what you want to say about the show that the, uh, you know, the big Bernie Sanders viral piece of tonight 
was not going to be him actually appearing on the show. It's going to be Larry David playing him in a pre-tape piece, Burn Your Enthusiasm, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, you know, you know, uh, probably a, a very good night for Bernie. We will talk about him again. It's interesting, though. I was watching a lot of the Sunday morning political shows because uh, there was nothing on when I had to be up with uh, babies at like uh, six o'clock in the morning. And they were only showing the clip with Bernie Sanders and not the clip with Larry David playing Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I mean, that's the bigger news story. So it doesn't surprise me. I think CNN will play that clip to death. Uh, it was interesting. I also, uh, this is a side thing, on S on CNN all day yesterday, the breaking news story on Friday, I should say, was that uh, Bernie Sanders was going to appear. And they had a panel of experts talking about <laughs> Bernie Sanders appearing. I'm like, why did me and Rob not get the call? We should yeah. be the panel of experts talking about Bernie Sanders on SNL. We could have done a better job than these yuck yucks that Who's they on brought the panel? on. So I, I don't it was well, it was a couple of just their politico uh, go to's that had nothing to say. And then they did bring on uh, Spike Fairston, former SNL writer and Seinfeld writer uh, to to talk about it, which is sort of odd. He was absolutely you know fine. OK, well, let's go back to a sketch that you really enjoyed a year ago. I believe it was during the Super Bowl week. Yep. And it was from the uh, was it the uh, the. Uh, J.K. Simmons episode. Yeah, J.K. Simmons episode. Yeah. <laughs> I almost said J.K. Rowling's. Uh, she is not hosting. Right, right, right. Uh, but it is the Totino's pizza rolls uh, is back, and it is a real fresh take on something. As opposed to last week, where we talked about where it just seems like are we just doing the same exact sketch over again that we did before? This is. I thought it was going in this direction. It was a completely different take on something. So I'm not sure if it was a swerve to mess with our expectations, but it was definitely something interesting. I uh, a thousand percent agree. I loved this sketch exactly for what you say, which I thought was, uh, playing with our own expectations that they, you know, they're, you know, we, we had last time we had the Tostino, Tostino, Totino's pizza rolls turns into the Tostino uh, activity fun pack for the wives. And it was this unbelievably sexist, uh, you know, uh, take on, you know, women who don't watch the Super Bowl. And on this one, we think it's going the same way starts to feel a little different where the guys keep interrupting her and she's trying to do the, the actress is trying to do the copy, but can't throw it, get through it. And it's, where is this and then this turn was super fun and super different and 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 obviously a completely fresh take but i love the fact that they did this as totino's pizza rolls because they could have written this as a new sketch about some other new fake product but they knew what they were doing to say everyone will remember totino's pizza activity fun pack from last year let's sort of now sort of do a twist on that and it and it became really funny and as we said last week when uh when vanessa did the ronda rousey thing uh and i think mike bloom even commented on our on the on the webpage this morning uh it was just vanessa nailed that she nailed the dumb caricature of a wife making uh, pizza rolls for my guys and my husband and my guys my hungry and guys and then that like yeah and then turning it into the 
what's get you know worrying about this and what's going on and guys and suddenly panicking and then the twist that it's an X X Files episode was just a, a, a really perfect button. Yeah, that the button really was great. It's just at the end of like just boom, cut to two seconds, X Files Sundays of on Fox. Uh I loved it. It was really, really funny. Yeah. And you know, again, great. Not just was it Totino's back, but Vanessa Bayer is playing the same character as she was during the uh one from last year. Do you think that next year Super Bowl Sunday that Totino's Pizza Rolls will be back with a third premise in the trilogy. 100%. If I could invest a stock in Totino's Pizza Roll next year uh, as a sketch, I would. Absolutely, they will do a third one. Okay, very exciting. (laughs) Really enjoyed that one. All right, so Rich... Let's talk about something uh, that we probably are not suited to talk about. Let's talk about the uh, musical guest, uh, the 1975. Uh, and let's bring as, in- as James is coming on. We should talk about before the actual musical guest. We had another Bernie Sanders piece. Oh, yes. Yes. OK, so let's talk about the, that. Uh, <laughs> just interesting that, you know, like everyone else in America who's a fan of SNL and a, and a slight fan of politics. I remember saying on Friday, if Bernie Sanders says pretty pretty good he's gonna that's gonna be huge for him so it was clearly a shoved in piece last second we couldn't work it in anywhere else or it got skipped in the other sketch uh very fun to see i don't think it was nearly as effective as if they had put it in a sketch because it felt like a little bit of a throwaway but clearly another example of bernie uh being a very game uh person uh you know politician on snl yeah it was very very fun Let's talk about the music. James, did you break any personal records in 1975 like Larry David? (laughs) Uh, I was five. So no, not that I remember. Okay. All right. Well, t- talk to us about the uh, the 1975 and just how big of an act is this at this point? Uh, well, they're they're a, uh, an English British act. Uh, they're really big there, and they've had some uh, notoriety and success in North America. Maybe more uh, in Canada than in the U.S. It seems like they're really looking at a a big push in the U.S. for their new record, and really want to make this like the hot new uh, UK import band. Okay. What kind of music are they? And I don't mean that as a derogatory thing. I just felt like I was scratching my head, not disliking it, but I couldn't, I couldn't put them in a rich digestible box. Uh, I would say I would generically call them dance rock. Dance rock. Uh, Antonio in Mm. the, in the chat room called out in excess uh, as as one of their comparisons, and that's pretty accurate. Uh, there were they're of a piece with a whole movement of kind of dance rock that came out of Manchester, which is where they're from, long before they were born uh, in the early '80s. So uh, that's a very popular uh, kind of style to be emulating right now. And there's so they're kind of of a piece in that tradition. Okay. Okay. So James, tell us about the performances that they did last night. Well, I just have to say I'm excited that Post Show Recaps is expanding into coverage of uh, of lip sync battle because uh, there was not an actual performance happening. Really? Well, there was there was a form of performance happening. They were performing like they were playing the song that was playing over the loudspeakers. Yeah. <laughs> well, does SNL frown upon that after the whole Ashley Simpson thing? I mean, shouldn't SNL sort of require people to come on and play their song? I don't uh, think they well, care. They do. 
Yeah. They they don't care. They didn't require it of Selena Gomez last week. I guess so. And uh, they certainly didn't require it. I'm surprised because they seem like a real band. But uh, And at least for the first song, uh, the sound, they had enough people on stage to be pretending to make that amount of noise. But I'm fairly sure that all of the vocals on the on the lead vocal track are just repeats of the lead singer. And there's no way that those eight backing singers were singing what the lead singer was singing wow uh the drummer mm. in, in particular was struggling with uh it's very hard to not play the drums and look like you're playing the drums and he was struggling with that so wow james i want to hear that call this out whenever it comes up i, I am fascinated by lip syncing versus non-lip syncing they seem to be doing better for the second song which is their new single called love me which i believe I mean, David Bowie's dead, so he's not going to sue them for being a total ripoff of his song Fame. But uh, it, it's uh, it's pretty familiar sounding. And uh, they, did a be- they did a better job with the lip syncing on this one. But there's a moment towards the end where there's a clear keyboard melody line that takes over the song. And there's no keyboard happening on stage. And... <laughs> For, for most of the song, one of the guitarists will pretend to play the keyboard melody line on their guitar. And there's a moment towards the end where they get confused and they're not sure who's supposed to be pretending that melody to be wow. playing that melody. And, and they're, they sort of are both playing it and then they both stop. So that, that wasn't great. Wow. You know, they are... They seem pretty plastic to me, to be honest. Wow. <laughs> James, you're you're not usually this negative on these musical acts. Uh, you know, I just... Uh, they insulted you by coming on and lip syncing, and they look like a real band, right? They did. They did. And, and the sticking your tongue out and the posing and the open shirt and... I was just uh, more sizzle than steak. I feel like we got our first musical guest, oh boy. <laughs> It was pretty close. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, next week is going to be Melissa McCarthy, right, Rich? Yes. Melissa McCarthy and Kanye. Kanye. I saw your post on Facebook about it. James, are you excited to see Kanye return? Is that the story next week? I'm very Well, Melissa McCarthy's great, too. It's going to be the show of the season, I think. Kanye's been back for every new record since his second one Mm -hmm. and uh, always does amazing SNL performances. Uh, His new record drops in uh, two weeks. And so I'll be I'll be very surprised if he doesn't do something really spectacular. Okay. do you think it will involve butt play? (laughs) Probably not. I'm going to say we'll check with Wiz Khalifa on that one. All right, Uh, James. uh, Thanks. Very up to date, guys. Yeah, you could follow James (laughs) on Twitter. He is at exclaim editor. Have a good one, James. Thanks, guys. Okay. bye bye. All right, Rich. Let's talk about Weekend Update. And, you know, when you're on a roll, you're on a roll and not a a Totino's pizza roll. I thought this was the best weekend update that we've had in two years. Yeah, I thought this was very solid. I thought sort of everything sort of hit. Maybe not everything hit as much as as other pieces, but overall very fun. Uh, starting out with the very topical sort of uh, botched opening of the Republican debate. I don't know if I would say this. there was necessarily funny jokes written for it, but I felt like Colin Jost was at his most natural. Like it just you could tell the reality of what happened actually tickled him. And he was just just really 
relishing in the silliness of all of it, which I thought made for a very fun beginning, even if necess- the jokes that they made were not necessarily hilarious about it. Yeah, they just got out of the gate hot and they were really just like they kept up the role. And I was watching it sort of like having like the surreal moment like, oh, like weekend update can be like a fun part of the show. It's not like the part like, yes. okay, we're just sort of like slogging through this. Okay, let's just get through this. Maybe something will happen when we bring in one of the guests. But it was like, wow, this is really fun. And I wonder, do you think, is it because, is it the combination of, you know, throwing it to like actually like a, a video, a piece of video? Do you think it was like the immediacy of covering something that happened like only hours before, as opposed to making a joke about something that happened on Tuesday? I think the the second part, definitely. I think the fact that it was so, so fresh gave it sort of a fresh piece. I also felt like in the, in the joke portion of this, there was a better balance of sort of the the Colin uh, Michael interplay between each other. I think there were some f- more naturally fun pieces. I like when we get to black history month, uh, I really like when Shay's like, you know, this is, this is the time when white anchors will tell you it's black history month. We cut to Colin who just says, this is black history month. And we cut right back. And there's not a, there's not Michael then taking a shot at Colin. So I thought that that sort of set up a very nice interplay. And then the run that Shay does about black history month was very cute. It was very funny. Also that Michael Che that he is, I think finding a bit of a voice in that, He's always going to be the guy that makes the Trump joke, or at least the biting Trump joke, where Colin Jost like might make a joke about uh, Trump's hair. It's that it's Shay right. that really since the episode where Trump hosted that he's been the guy who's really going to hit Trump hard and not to, about anything you know politically. It's just interesting that you know he has a voice on a certain subject as opposed to any other subjects. It's very hard to nail down what their takes are. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I thought they did, you know, uh, Jost is playing more fun with, you know, his take on Ted Cruz was about the whole, uh, you know, singing Broadway songs, which was all very light and genteel, uh, you know, but and I like Che taking some chances. I I like the interplay even when they make the joke about the uh, marijuana suppository Mm -hmm. and the boyfriend getting the munchies, I thought, which was a very funny joke and and Colin calling it out and then Che calling him out like it's not a head scratcher. Uh, It was definitely fun. It gave it some levity that sometimes we don't always get with 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 the with the team here yeah all right so we're gonna have some guests coming by the first of which is kate mckinnon as sturdy barbie now rich i normally love kate mckinnon on the weekend update desk but i felt like sturdy barbie was a miss for me oh okay well i'll i'll respectfully disagree i like this i thought this was fun um yeah you know i not it was not necessarily the most uh brilliant uh insightful thing but i liked the fresh character and for me what i liked about it when they set up that she's playing sturdy barbie especially because it was kate i thought they were leaning towards this is a euphemism for lesbian barbie Mm -hmm. but we find out it's not lesbian barbie she's actually got a hot thing going on with a vice principal who's currently incarcerated for being at the wrong place at the wrong time uh i I thought the writing on this was really fun i liked a lot of the the lines i don't know that i think this was a a, as a character this was anything all that amazing but i liked the writing of it so i i I got a kick out of this i think for me the problem was that i felt like the joke was kind of unclear like i found like myself trying to say like well what are they trying to say here i don't really get who 
who this character is supposed to be. And you're right. I thought in the beginning that they were trying to say that this was a lesbian version of Barbie, but that wasn't the case. And I was then very confused as to what they were ultimately trying to say who this person was. I, I definitely agree that they missed on that because they did. It started to allude to what seemed like it was going to be a lesbian character, especially with McKinnon, who often does. So um, I thought what they were going for is this is just a very blue collar. I think also that I think that the I don't know if, if Kate wrote this or someone else wrote it for her, but it almost felt like you wanted to see a bigger 80 Bryant would have been too much, but like it, it felt like this was supposed to be sort of a bigger uh, a female actress, sort of a, like if there was a white Leslie Jones kind mm-hmm. of uh, physicality, I feel like that's what they were writing towards that. Like this is sort of a, uh, you know, not the sexy, cute, but the sort of stocky, big, uh, not manly per se, but that kind of a thing, mm-hmm. which the physicality of Kate McKinnon did not indicate at all, which made it confusing. Yeah, I mean, no big deal. It's probably too nuanced for an update segment for me, but we have other segments to talk about here. And let's yeah. talk about uh, John Rudnitsky. We've only talked about him briefly. He alludes to that when Colin Joe says to him, hey, you are somebody that's on SNL. He says, literally, nobody knows that. Uh, (laughs) And he had (laughs) and he wanted to uh, try out for uh, Dirty Dancing Live, which could be the potential musical follow up to Grease Live. Did you watch Grease Live, Rich? Uh, You know what? I watched the first hour. I did. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like James, I was sitting there pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. I sat there like James. I'm like, are they lip syncing? I think they might be lip syncing. Is it a lip sync? And then I went back and forth. Like, uh, I don't know that the mic isn't there. Then that guy's not mic that good. He's probably is really singing. Uh, but anyway, going back to John Rudnitsky, he ends up doing a dirty dancing performance, which ends up taking a turn that we do not see coming. Yeah, this for me was the closest to an a uh, boy. Uh, I, I liked it. I did like it, but I would say probably how you felt about sturdy Barbie. I didn't love this. Um, my suspicion is that as is often the case with weekend update pieces, this is from Rudnitsky's standup act or a character that he's done somewhere. I bet that this wasn't written fresh for the Grease Live. Um, by the way, as a side note, I was surprised that Grease Live did so well and was so buzzy, and yet there was not a sketch about it this week. It might have been mm-hmm. because they had so much Bernie Larry David stuff to do, and there wouldn't have been a character for Larry David in it. But um, this was fine. At least it did have a twist. The dance number was not okay. We're okay. I get it. It was at least oh, here's the twist uh, and play it out. So it was it was definitely cute. Um, I'm glad we didn't end on this. Um, so it was fine. Yeah, I think I liked it more than you did. And I feel like that inevitably when John Rudnitsky is not brought back on SNL, we will look back and this is how we will remember him. Yes, which is probably better than the uh, gay-ish pirate that he <laughs> yes. did a few weeks ago. I, this I think is this how is, he'll always be in my mind. So I enjoyed it. This is it. how you want to go out. Yes. Yes. I, I enjoyed it. Yes. I did, if that was a little, a little long, felt like they could have cut it, you know, easily, you know, a minute yeah. out of this, but I like the, the, uh, yeah. the twist on it. Okay. And then finally yes. we had the appearance by Zoolander and Hansel. Rich, are you a big Zoolander guy? Uh, I am not. I would say, I think that the first movie is, uh, fairly overrated. It's fine. I have it on good authority. The second one is a clunker. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, so, but you don't I, say. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm not saying where I heard it, but I heard it from uh, from someone who saw the movie. Uh, but I will say this: uh, a, uh, I do like Ben Stiller a lot. I like Owen Wilson a lot. Ben Stiller, let's not forget, alumni of the show, was a featured player for one season. Um, and I think you know, to me, the reason I don't love Zoolander, the Derek Zoolander in the movie, is that I feel like because he's a he's a sketch character. He's not uh, worthy of a whole movie. And to be honest, at Weekend Update in this time frame, he works really well. It was I thought it was a really fun little piece. It was the right length. I thought he did a good job. I don't remember uh, the character that Owen Wilson plays enough to know if that is the character or if Owen Wilson just didn't try at all last night and just played himself wearing the costume. But overall, I think when he, as soon as Zoolander comes out and starts talking about the Iowa couscous, I was like, all right, you know what? I, I thought I would dislike this, but I thought in general, it was, it was a really fun piece. No, it was fun. And I believe I haven't seen Zoolander in a while. I believe that Owen Wilson was doing the Hansel character, the other uh, okay. male model that Zoolander is friends with. And so, uh, no, I thought it was pretty fun also, like, uh, you know, just going through everything and uh, talking about uh, Tom Cruise as Ted Cruz. I thought that was pretty yes. fun. Uh, the Hillary Clinton, Kim Jong-un uh, and Kim Kardashian. Uh, all that was very, was yeah. very fun. I felt like the Trump stuff was probably, uh, you know, they went, they ended on it, but it was probably the weakest of the jokes that they made. But it was still very Agreed. fun to get those guys on there. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I thought a nice, a nice little piece, a, a good promotion, very smart uh, you know, marketing for the movie. And, uh, and I thought, especially I would say Ben Stiller felt like he did not phone it in. He, you know, he brought it uh, as the Zoolander character and, and a fun end to weekend update. He did not phone it in on a very, very tiny phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's talk about our songwriting class scene where Larry David is trying to uh, guess the rhyming lyrics from Pete Davidson. This is another sketch that I similar to the FBI Academy when it started, I, I sort of had an a boy in the chamber locked and loaded, ready to go. And it just the, the simple turns and the performance and sort of the cleanness and the simple sort of straightforwardness of this sketch had me giggling the whole way through. I I thought this was a another real winner for me. I thought this was a really fun very simple, almost groundlings-like live show sketch that was just fun turn, fun turn, very fun dialogue, and Larry David did a very good job in it. Are you concerned at all about the frogs of Frog Hatton? No, I'm concerned about the toads. <laughs> Weren't you paying attention? I'm concerned about the, the toad overlords. <laughs> did you feel like, was Larry David just like in character, or was he just like completely just like laser focused in on the cue cards? Uh, well, well, I definitely think, I mean, as often as the cases, you know, uh, you know, even, you know, for guest hosts, even guest hosts who are pretty good with cue cards, the later into the show you get, the more it just becomes this just jumble of words in their head. And they often have to rely on the cue cards more. Uh, I also wonder if maybe this was a, a sketch written later, uh, cause he 
she did use it more than even the 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 final sketch of the night. Um, but yeah, so definitely he was sort of relying on that, and they sort of blocked it so that you could tell he was not talking to the person but talking to the cue cards. Uh, but overall, yes, I, I I thought the character was very fun. Yeah. Again, this was probably for me uh, pretty cute. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was uh, hilarious, but uh, again, I did have the same fears that you had in the beginning that uh, this might not be very good. And they did pull it out in the end. And also, given that we're now at about 1240 at night, I'm sort of like waiting for the clunker and the uh, boy and this sort of delivered. And, And here's a nuance I really like. Often when you're doing a sketch where it turns out that everyone in the sketches instead of uh everybody is normal and one person is crazy this turns into a sketch where basically everybody is crazy except for one straight person i liked the the very subtle turn that they do is instead of everybody having the same sort of setup as 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 larry's character you had jay farrow say like when it's his turn he goes he's like I know the answer is son, but I'm really interested in these toad overlords and that turn of then everybody being on sort of the crazy man's uh, page was such a nice, simple turn. But whoever wrote that, I thought, did such a nice job to sort of bring us along. It was uh, really fun. Jake's just calling out the line was, I know I'm supposed to say son, but I want to say Toad Overlord Spaceship. And I thought that was just such a perfect turn. Nice tip of the hat to whoever wrote that sketch. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the message from Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. And it's Ebony and Ivory. And of course, you can't talk about that on SNL without thinking of the uh, Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy sketch uh, with Stevie Wonder and Frank Sinatra. Correct. Correct. One of the one of the iconic pieces ever. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, we have Cam Newton and Peyton Manning singing at the piano and they're talking about how Cam Newton is judged much differently than Peyton Manning is rich. Now, as somebody who does not follow the NFL as closely as some other people did the sketch alone make sense. And was it funny without having all of the backstory of Cam Newton and Peyton Manning? It was so I, and I didn't know about Cam Newton. Now I will say I am rooting for Cam Newton uh, specifically in the Super Bowl because Cam Newton was my quarterback on our fantasy football team that brought Jamie and I to the Sutterman win uh, of a nice little stack of change uh, after a year of fantasy football. Uh, and it was well Cam done. Newton who got us there. Uh, that said, I didn't even know Cam Newton was black. Oh, see, we live in a post race society. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My lack of football basically c newton was the guy who got me to uh got us wow, to the finals you don't even way. see color uh, yeah. i don't even see color on the yahoo statistical board i don't even see color so uh so so with that said uh, i didn't know anything they were referring to i thought they did a very good job of setting up i instantly understood what the premise was and i could follow along the premise very easily i thought this was very funny I wish I could tell you why I didn't love it because I, I loved every individual piece of this sketch, but the, all of the pieces added up to a sketch that I liked and I didn't love and I couldn't tell you why, mm-hmm. but overall I definitely. Liked yeah. It. I felt like the premise wasn't a hundred percent clean in terms of uh, the, you know, uh, Cam Newton and uh, you know, all the stuff that's going on and, and comments that he made that the reason why people hate him is because is because of racism. And, but in the media, there's sort of been a through line of it's not necessarily racism. It's because he celebrates too much. That's why people don't like him. And it's hard to sort of reconcile, 
you know, that there probably are people who hate him because he celebrates too much. There are probably people who hate him because he's racist. But the the question is, does the media talk about him uh, celebrating too much because the people in the media are racist? It's sort of like a complicated issue. But Mm -hmm. there were some fun laughs along the way. I did also feel like it was a miss to not talk about anything with Peyton Manning and his ongoing uh, investigation into doing HGH. I felt like I can understand why mm. the real Peyton Manning wouldn't talk about it, but I felt uh, less um, th- that I understood why Saturday Night Live wouldn't at least get a dig in there. Peyton Manning uh, doing HGH and being investigated by that uh, by a lot of different people in the media. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So you're right. That would I absolutely would love that to have been feathered in. Yeah. And so it uh, was a, uh, you know, fun sketch and, uh, you know, not bad for what are we at? 1240 here in the show. We're at like, yeah, we're you know, we're late in the game. I will say that given how topical this is and how generally funny it was and that you've got probably two of the biggest cast members in it, I suspect that in the uh, in the um, uh, uh, in the dress rehearsal, this sketch came after the monologue and then it it had not the response they thought, but they didn't cut it, but they moved it late into the show. Yeah, it did feel bad for the Papa John's guy who uh, really took a beating. <laughs> in took a real sketch. hit there. Yeah, a real, yeah. real hit piece like on him Papa John. I like him whispering to the pizza, like, let me get you out of the let me slip you out of these <laughs> toppings. Very funny. <laughs> I think that was a real, really hurt Papa John. Okay. Uh, and then Rich, yeah. uh, the last sketch of the night is one of your favorites when uh, Kate McKinnon is picking up a guy at the bar. Is this the third time we've seen this? Uh, I want to say fourth time. I was so rushed uh, as we talk about it. I'll double check. Uh, uh, but I think it's the fourth time we've seen it, but I'm not, I know we've seen it with Harrelson. I know we saw it with, uh, Louis um, with uh, Louis CK. I feel like I'm missing one. I could take a second and check, but I can't remember. Uh, one of my great uh, sadnesses in life today is that I did not get a chance to watch the sketch a second time, just to write down some of the, some of the lines uh, because uh, you are correct. I love this sketch Every time this thing never disappoints. And this was uh, for me and uh, just such a wonderful way to end uh, the episode. It was so fun. Yeah. And I feel like we never give Keenan enough credit on these because uh, he's such a great his reactions really do help sell everything bizarre that's going on in these sketches. Oh, the, and even the idea this week when he's got the mini window <laughs> blinds that he closes the blinds. I thought that was very funny. I thought, yeah, and, and just so much of the lines that we were just so I, even though we talked about I can't remember the name of his drink. It was a Kentucky something, which was bourbon and uh, and like a Tylenol PM or something. And then she orders a vodka and cheddar and <laughs> The props, the fact that Keenan gives her a glass of whiskey that's got a slice of cheddar cheese stuck on the side like a garnish was so beautiful. <laughs> it was so fun. I just thought this was great. Yeah, no, it's really, really fun. Uh, you know, the writing is always so strong on these. And so <laughs> when Larry David says that, you know, uh, you know, uh, Gene Simmons has a long tongue. Uh, his shorter <laughs> and his penis is even shorter than that. <laughs> oh, every yeah. everything about it was fun. I was I'm trying to I oh, I can't find who did uh, 
Uh, I can't remember the last time I did it, but oh, it was just, it, just in general, it was just such a fun episode. So yeah, really, really good. I like when Keenan puts the police tape up. Uh, you know, really, yeah, I, I, you know, I think, and generally, you know, we've seen him do things like, uh, you know, light the place on fire. Like they, they just they continue to evolve it, and it's always just so fun. Uh, uh, and she's just so great. Even her line of like, "Can I? My seat is wet," which was my fault, which is <laughs> such a great. Yeah. It was so fun. So re- really, really good episode. And then he has the line really about, good you know, I want to, you know, I get you to uh, like, let me get a look at what's under the hood. And uh, she says, <laughs> okay. And she then picks up the uh, toupee and then starts kissing his head. So uh, very, very funny stuff. Yeah, just great. I just, I love this. And this is the weird, this really is a Mad Lib sketch. And yet the writers are so strong that they bring such funny new twists every time. What did she say? They're talking about lasagna. And she says something about like, they used to call me Garfield because I hate Mondays and I had a tail. Mm -hmm. Just like the craziest (laughs) stuff that was just so funny. Really, really good. Yeah, fun stuff. All right. So, Rich, then the one thing that I saw online on social media, and let's talk about this. I know you follow it closely. Some people said there was a bit of a moat here in the goodbyes. Well, so, yeah, I mean, there. It, here's the thing. It, there was a little bit of a moat, which was odd, uh, is that uh, after, uh, you know, Larry David sort of throws it, thanks everybody, and we get to the music, he he thanks uh, Bernie Sanders, which I want to talk about in a second. And then uh, and then he and he thanks one of the guys from fun who come, I'm sorry, from uh, uh, 1975, who, who thanks him. And then he basically talks to Owen Wilson for about six minutes, which was very odd at watching it back again on Hulu, which has the entire unextended cut. At the end, he gives a big hug to Kate McKinnon, which was such a warm moment. I wish that it, it, it wasn't lost. And it was from I think that the camera was behind the clock just to show you how far away it was but you know you know he's not you know i mean he told us at the beginning you know in the monologue that his favorite part is leaving (laughs) and i think that he was done i think he was very pleasant but he did not really make the rounds to thank everybody um as sometimes that happens sometimes hosts just kind of stand there like okay i've never done this before and cast comes up to him this was sort of a weird, I didn't feel any coldness, but there didn't also seem to be any big warmth. And he just sort of talked to Owen Wilson for a long period of time, which was very odd. Okay, so Bernie Sanders stuck around, unlike Tina Fey, so you have now, to say. that's so. huge. I mean, that is huge for a political candidate to stay for the for the good nights. That is a such a, an insider sign of uh, you get my stamp of approval. You're not going to see Hillary. You're not going to see any of the Republican candidates do that. Um, that's that's very rare. Obviously, Obama, it, that never happens. So huge, as, as Johnny's saying in the chat room, huge props for Sanders to stick that through, whether that was his decision or his handlers, very smart move. It really gives you credibility with the fans of the show to see you on the stage at night. So that speaks to you as a presidential candidate that Bernie's not going to be like leaving before the good nights or anything on America. He's going to be hanging around. Exactly. Exactly. If you're going to do it, do it. Don't just blow in and then be in your motorcade the second that the red light goes off of your camera. Stick around and do it and do it right. And I, I definitely appreciated that. Okay. Uh, and then uh, was Ben Stiller there for the good nights as well? Yes. Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson were both there, which I appreciated. Uh, so it was all 
all very nice. It, it, uh, you know, very fun, not necessarily warm, but uh, but very fun sort of good nights, even though there was not necessarily a lot of interplay. I wanted to see who Ben Stiller was talking to because Owen Wilson was talking to um, Larry the whole time. I certainly couldn't see it uh, just because of the camera work. I couldn't quite sort of get a sense of it. All right. So then, Rich, do you agree this was the best show of the season? Oh, uh, yeah, I think this was this was very strong. I mean, you know, we've had some really strong episodes across the board, you know, a lot of lot of good episodes. But I would say this was the strongest. I thought this was every sketch. I mean, the, the amount of sketches that I, I could watch Burn Your Enthusiasm again. I could watch Totino's again. I could watch Sturdy Barbie again. I could watch Songwriting again. I will watch Last Call again. Uh, the Very rarely would I be saying that about that many episodes. So really fun time. And by the way, Larry, David, for as much as the, the premise of his characters that he is a curmudgeon obviously he was very game he played a lot of very silly characters at the end he's making out with kate mckinnon in a ridiculous way with all of this lipstick everywhere he certainly was a team player and and threw himself into this in a very fun way now rich let me ask you a question this is a very interesting point for snl because we had bernie sanders and i think back in the fall People did not expect Bernie to be a factor in the campaign for this long. I think if you would have asked us or maybe political pundits back in October, we would have said, "Okay, well, Bernie is just sort of like, you know, going through the motions." or maybe he uh, there was maybe the sense that he was going through the motions. And around this time, Hillary was locked in as the presumptive candidate. Uh, Bernie yes. and Hillary, while Hillary won, it was sort of a almost virtual tie in Iowa. Bernie is expected to win in New Hampshire this upcoming week. And it looks like Bernie versus Hillary is going to drag out far longer than anybody expected in the fall. So hypothetically yes. speaking, if this goes into March, April, May, is SNL locked into Larry David is Bernie Sanders or could any do you think that any other SNL cast member could be playing Bernie Sanders by the end of the season? Yeah, I think that most likely we will see Bobby Moynihan as Bernie Sanders before this election is over. I think that I think that they SNL would go to Larry David every time if they could. I do wonder now that Larry David just did an insanely intense six days in Studio 8H if he is going to. I think he will be back as Bernie, but I, I don't think he's going to be on speed dial at the ready uh, because I think he probably burned out a little bit. So I think we're going to have to at some point see another Bernie Sanders. Uh, uh, I, just, I, I think you're going to have to. And it, unless you just avoid him when Larry David is not available. And I think that things are are going to be close enough, at least in the near term, that we're going to see more of him. So I suspect that we'll see Bobby Moynihan take over the role at some point. I don't think it'll be nearly as good, to be honest, but maybe someone else like like Bobby will bring something new and different to it. Uh, maybe do what Beck Bennett did with Jeb Bush, which is sort of invent a new character instead mm-hmm. of trying to do the most accurate thing, which, which Larry David was just wonderful at. Yeah, I feel like Will Forte kind of did that with George Bush as well yep. along the way. Yep. Rich, I do think that SNL could be in a weird spot here with some of these uh, presidential candidates because, uh, you know, you have Marco Rubio, who at least going into last night was coming on a bit a little bit stronger. And you could sort of see the through line of maybe could Marco Rubio 
be the candidate and we've got Pete Davidson playing him and it's not necessarily a great impression. I wonder if we could see some recasting there. If Marco Rubio is going to be in the mix longer than was expected a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Then you have also the possibility. What if Bernie is the nominee and you have like uh, Bernie versus Trump. And then you basically would be having on SNL Daryl Hammonds and Larry David playing the two people (laughs) who could be campaigning to be the like, it's just a, they they sort of like are in a weird corner with how this could potentially work out for them. I totally agree. I think it's going to be interesting to how this washes out and who sort of gets the nod. I absolutely could see recasting happen, uh, you know, you know, at some point in time, uh, you know, and, and maybe, and I think they would really have to put the screws to Pete Davidson if he was going to have to play a meaningful role in cold opens and, you know, post monologue sketches as, as the Republican nominee, uh, he'd have to, not be stoned and uh, and really bring more to the character than just, you know, Pete Davidson reading lines off a cue card. Uh, and I and I'd love to see it. I think it would be very interesting if they do. OK, a couple other quick things. Next week, we are going to have the return of Melissa McCarthy, which we discussed. Uh, do you remember when was the last time Melissa McCarthy hosted? Uh, she hosted. Uh, I feel like bu- bu- she's bu- got to be the leader in the clubhouse. Of two years ago, uh, February 2014. So almost exactly two years ago. I feel like that she might be holding the record for hosting the most time since we've done the recaps of the SNL. This will be her fourth time and it was and she's done all four since we've hosted. I was also wondering if this will make her the uh, most frequent female host. Um, I don't know that there's any uh, females in the five timers club that I can remember. I was trying to remember whether Candace Bergen. I don't think so. Uh, So absolutely. I could see her again. Okay. so then do you have any shots you want to call for Melissa McCarthy next week? No, you know, I, 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 uh, no, nothing sort of strikes me that, uh, that I think we'll necessarily see specifically. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a blank slate coming into Melissa McCarthy. Definitely. Does she have a recurring SNL character? Um, I feel like she has a lot of characters who are similar, but I'm not sure if they're necessarily recurring. I was just going to say, she certainly has types. So we could see the character that drank, that was drinking the hidden ranch Valley dressing ranch. from the, yeah, yeah, the hidden Valley ranch or the, uh, the, the woman who wanted to be a pizza eater, professional mm-hmm. pizza eater, uh, or, or the person who, you know, and from the ham. Uh, uh, but I don't think, but nothing necessarily strikes me. I'm going to take a quick look uh, as we sort of close this up, but I don't see anything that I'm like, oh yeah, I think this is going to, oh, you know what? Nope. I take that back. The female uh, basketball coach who mm-hmm. is super aggressive and mean. Uh, I bet we see her again. Okay. Then Rich, uh, one of the other stories which broke this week and, uh, your buddy Mark on, and I'd like to say our buddy too, but I've never met him. Mark, uh, yeah. Mark in NYC highlighted this uh, for us on Facebook as well. Uh, Fox is getting in the sketch comedy game again after yes. Mad TV has, uh, you know, had a run for a while. I don't know if it was uh, ever a successful run, but people certainly did enjoy that show. And it is going to be headlined by the Lonely Planet guys. Uh, the uh, at Andy Samberg and company are putting together a party over here, which is going to be launching very soon on Fox on Saturday nights. Yeah, very interesting. So the Lonely Island guys have been in a long-term holding I, deal. I, I, with, I, sorry, um, I said Lonely Planet. I, I always get made oh, that mistake. Right. 
Maybe it's going to be all about traveling the world on a budget and it's going to be the Lonely Planet guide. I'd be interested. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the the deal between the Lonely Island guys and Fox uh, is not new. They've actually had this deal for quite a while. Um, uh, so very interesting that they are going to be competition to SNL, uh, as we discussed on Facebook. Interesting that they're, uh, although it makes sense given the Fox affiliate deals, that they're going to do 11 o'clock as Mad TV did, uh, not 1130 which is, I believe, not only uh, trying to sort of get a jump on SNL, but also uh, the deals, the way that time slots are sort of done between the local affiliates and what times that they have available for network programming and what times that they get to put on their own programming. Um, the lonely, very, it was it was very clearly stated the Lonely Island guys will not appear in the show. Uh, we will see how long that lasts if the show becomes rating challenged, whether they force, uh, you know, Fox. Uh, you know, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine lead Andy Samberg to start doing some cameos in the show. Um, but by the way, the cast is very strong. They announced three women. Um, you've got Allison Rich, who was a writer on SNL uh, just last year, mm-hmm. as well as uh, as, as a, a UCB. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm blanking on her name, so I feel terrible. Um, but there's a, a woman who's a currently who's been on a UCB Herald teams out here who I find hilarious. Uh, she's very, very funny. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. And then one of my favorites in the world, Nicole Byer. Most people, if they know her, only know her from MTV's Girl Code. I have seen her in many, many live sketches and improvisations at UCB Franklin and UCB Sunset, and she kills me. She is hilarious. So this uh, this will be an interesting one to see what they do. I think this could be really funny. Yeah, also a great friend of Rob as a podcast, Ryan Elder, is going to be working on music for that show as well. So we're very uh, happy for him. Now, in terms of the show, is this a 30 minute show? It's starting at 11. Is it a 30 minute show that's going to be on or is it 60 minutes where it will be competing with SNL for half an hour? I think it's 30 minutes. I think that I think if I remember correctly, it's 30 minutes, which makes sense because sketch comedy, not live, I think is really, really hard to do in a 60 minute format. Um, I mad TV was 60 minute, but I don't know. I, I don't know that that was necessarily a good thing. Um, so uh, so I'm not sure. Jessica McKenna, I, just for myself, I wanted to say her name because I find her so funny. Okay, So if that's the case. And it is a 30 minute show. Do you see this? Will the people at NBC, specifically Lorne, will they look at this as something that is an SNL uh, competitor? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've always heard that Lauren and Andy have a very good relationship, but Andy, I don't think has the same relationship that some other alumni have with him. Um, you know, and this, this is the product of a long-term deal. It's not like they just went and pitched a, a sketch show to, uh, to Fox and got it on the air, but absolutely. This is, you know, this is blood battles uh, when, when it comes to, you know, late night television, Lauren is the king of late night TV right now. And this will not be perceived as uh, you know, friendly competition. This will be, you know, an absolute shot across the bow um, because certainly if one were to watch a, f- a very funny 30 minute sketch comedy series from 11 to 11:30, then the desire to watch or stick with SNL for 90 more minutes becomes way less. And there's no question that we are targeting the same fan base. The thing I would, I will be interested about this show 
is that they very clearly have announced the three cast members are all female. They have not announced any male cast members. And I wonder if that has something to do with the premise of the show, which could make it interesting and different. Wow. So it's basically 30 Rock? Good question. It could be the girly show, which then turns into TGS (laughs) when they make Andy Samberg show up every episode for ratings. Wow. Amazing. All right. Yeah. So we'll see if uh, Andy Samberg, uh, if he will be invited back to host at any point in the near future. But it seems like uh, signs would point to no, right? Signs are pointing no. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, Rich, uh, fun stuff today on this Larry David episode. Looking forward to getting back into it. Talking about Melissa McCarthy next week. Uh, Back at our uh, regular time slot again. uh, TV is picking up uh, after this Super Bowl. Walking Dead is coming back. Better Call Saul is coming back. So lots of stuff going on in here in February. Uh, Anything in particular you want to uh, that you're looking forward to for the Super Bowl today, Rich? Um, I'm rooting for Cam because of his because of the money in my pocket. Yes. Um, and I got and, and the idea that's the super the idea that Super Bowl commercials are epic and big and huge and hilarious to me is as outdated as the fax machine. Uh, we will watch anyway. Hopefully, it will be a fun a fun show. Yeah. Are you excited for a post game Colbert? Uh, I'll be interested to see if they mix up the. You know, there's been rumors about Colbert mixing up the format a little bit. Maybe a, a sidekick. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around. If they were going to do something like that, this is the time to do it. Uh, I, I can't imagine a funk jazz opening out of the Super Bowl the way that Colbert usually does. So I'll be interested to see how they sort of bridge post-Super Bowl into Colbert, but I'll be watching. They need to bring in Tracy Morgan. Exactly. (laughs) Bring it home. All right. Uh, Great stuff, Rich. You can follow Rich on Twitter. He's at Rich Tech. Uh, Thanks so much to James Keast for all of his musical knowledge and Scott St. Pierre, who gets these podcasts edited. You could subscribe to the SNL podcast and hear us every single week after all of the new episodes at postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes or search for our SNL recap in your favorite podcatcher. Anything else, Rich? No, looking. I got those, some fun personal news that'll be on Facebook and Twitter tomorrow, having nothing to do with this. But uh, oh, it's what been a, a good week and looking for the next one. Yeah, a little, little fun thing in my life going on. So okay. uh, they'll be coming out well, tomorrow. Are you keeping Cam Newton in your fantasy football league? Is that what it is? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Once the NFL offseason <laughs> starts, Rich will announce his keepers and much more on, uh, <laughs> on Facebook uh, or and on Twitter as well. Exactly. And on Twitter as well. All right. I got to go through some Totinos in the uh, in the oven for my guys getting ready for the game. All right. You're hungry, guys. Watch out for those fumbles and touchdowns. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Bye bye.